But it's been in those seasons where I've seen the hand of God just so strong. So, you know, when, when you kind of leave your comfort zone and go over into a, a place where, you know, this really needs to be real or else. Who's been there before? You know, just that transition time where you sort of lift, you're leaving the harbour and things need to go well or else you're sunk. And you see God at work. I love those moments. I don't think we look forward to those moments somehow, you know. But we do have those moments and again and again. And I, I think, um, you know, just the circumstances that, that uh, transpired made me realise that God had been in control in my past and that he's now in control in my future. That's a good place to get to, where you can see both. And, you know, one is with, one is with the benefit of experience. Well, God blessed us. God provided for us. God looked after us. And then we look into the future, and by that eye of faith, we see that as well. And we see his breakthroughs. We see him uh, overcoming on our behalf and us being able to reign in life. Glory to God, you know. It's a good thing. Whatever you do when you're looking forward, make sure you cast God in it. Don't cast lack. Don't cast, well, I'm not sure, and nervousness and anxiety. Don't cast that in. Cast the Lord, the God that um, bought you in Christ Jesus, and will look after things in the future. Make sure you cast him in. Amen? We're all called to live that way. That's called living by faith, you know. And it's with that confident expectation that we're called to uh, live. So uh, again, um, uh, thanks team. We appreciate that, that heart of worship that um, we get to uh, stand in, in on Sunday mornings. And um, so uh, we're really going to move on into our, um, uh, our topic. And uh, by the way, we've actually, fit, this is new, I think we're seven weeks in, and we've finally figured out what the topic is. <laughs> it's called The Advancing Christian. Amen. The advancing Christian. So that's the series anyway. So um, uh, we've been seeing that when we go with God's plan in our lives, or I should say God's plan for our lives, we are advancing. You know, I heard someone say someone who's preparing to do the will of God is in the will of God. It's a good way to look at it. Someone who's preparing to do the will of God. You know, sometimes you hear a word and it just touches your heart and you say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to start living that way. You, you automatically get yourself into the will of God straight away by just preparing to do the will of God. I'm going to do that. I'm going to start. Not just hear that word, but I'm going to do that word. Oh, be careful. You're right in the will of God, right there. And uh, that's important because who doesn't want to be in the will of God for their lives? I don't know anyone that will admit it or would even want to, you know. So, recently um, we've seen in this series a truth that should be settled for us all. And that's that we're not saved by law-keeping. Okay? We're not saved through our good works. Anyone who's challenged by that should take the time to go back over the podcast over the last three weeks. You can get them on the website. Go to the website and you'll find them there. Um, and you'll see... Um, it's already a truth that we've unpacked, that we're not saved by our good works. Amen. And uh, it's, it's a lifestyle that we're called to, of yielding to the Spirit and not to the flesh, living from that newness of Christ within us, letting the Spirit of God lead us into his pathways, which is, of course, his character in us on display. Amen. We talked about that last week. And that, and that means no more fleshy flings. Who likes the occasional fleshy fling? 
Rosemary does. She's, she's the only one being honest here, here this morning. <laughs> There's a few, another hand there. Can I, is, are there any more hands here this morning? <laughs> what I said was, who likes the occasional fleshy fling? At the moment that you do it, it feels right. But you know later, it was wrong. You know, a fleshy fling. And um, we, we've got to learn to cut, uh, overcome uh, those moments when the flesh seems to have the upper hand. We need to be a people that are moved by the Spirit. Amen? A people that live in the Spirit. And, uh, and, and of course, the fleshy flings become less and less. Galatians chapter 5, and um, I'll just go up to the screen there. It says, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. We, we, as, as I say, we, last week we got to the place where we made it so very clear that even though we are saved by grace through faith, saved by our believing, it doesn't mean that we have a license to sin. And we saw, uh, in fact, two places in Romans chapter 8 where uh, Paul says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says, God forbid. Just because we're saved by, by, by grace, it doesn't mean we continue in sin. And... Um, you know, we don't have a license to sin. We have a license to win. Amen? That's the way we need to look at it. Not a license to sin, but a license to win. And uh, we can overcome and be the victors. When we were born again, we all got a license to win. All right? So, and of course, Paul preached these truths right through the New Testament. Let's look at another place where uh, we see our license to win. In uh, Galatians chapter 5. And verse 13, it says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. I like that. You know, we've got, we're not just given something that we're not to do. We're given something to do. That's what I like about the truth of the gospel. It's not, we're not just given the restriction. We're given the thing that we should be doing, that we're permitted to do. And if we'll give ourselves to it, we won't have to worry about things that we're restricted from. Isn't that right? You know, because, you know, if we'll walk in the spirit, this is something to do, something that we should act on. Walk in the spirit, the Bible says, that will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So there's, there's the answer. Everyone thinks it's just by getting better and being better and being nicer and being stronger and gritting their teeth. You know, we're given the answer. Walk in the spirit, concentrate on that, work out what that is in your life and just do it. And the Bible says that will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's good news. Amen? Yeah. Amen, it's good news. You see, when we walk in the spirit... Love and forgiveness for others is easy. Love and forgiveness for others is easy. It becomes a response from our born-again spirits and not from our emotions. We're not waiting until we feel like it. We're doing it out of our, our new man. You know, the, the fact that we're new creatures in Christ, we're doing it out of there. Some people are waiting to love others when they feel like it. Can't do it then, you see. We're supposed to come from our born-again spirits. And, and, you know, when, when we looked at it last week, we looked at what the fruit of the Spirit, what's the first one? Love. Love is the first, you know, characteristic of, of our new birth and our spirit, our born-again spirit. 
And look what it says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 14. It says there, For the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. You know, in other words, how you'd like to be treated is how you should treat others. That's a, called the golden rule, isn't it? How do you want others to treat you? Well, treat others the same way. You see, the trouble with the flesh is that when you can't keep it under control, when you let it rule in your life, the first casualty is almost always your love walk. That's the first thing that goes out the door when you let love, um, I should say, when you let your flesh have its way. I know in our, our, our own home, and Rosemary, Rosemary never annoys me, but occasionally there'll be a little bit of frustration and there'll be... Uh, the, the first thing that goes in those situations when you sort of lean over toward the flesh, maybe a little bit of frustration about something, something that's happened or done or been said or whatever, the first casualty is love, isn't it? You know, we stop believing the best of a person. We start to believe the worst of the person. And then the contributing thoughts start to rattle around in your head, you know, you know, and you, you start rehearsing those things. And what God says is just love, just believe the best, just believe the best of every person. And, um, and God calls us to that lifestyle. I want us to move on today, and I know that's just a little bit of an introduction, but um, I want us to move on in the time that we've got remaining, which isn't very long. I want us to move on to the topic of repentance. Okay, because the Christian experience for the advancing Christian, one that's going on, okay, includes times when we fail to walk in the Spirit. I just gave you a little indicator right then. Times when we know we missed the mark. And, you know, uh, that's what the word sin means. It means to, you know, as if, as if you were shooting an arrow and you missed the mark. That's what the word sin actually means. It's almost like you're a little bit off. And... Um, you know, it's, it's been said this way. It's not that we're sinless. It's that we should sin less. You might want to write that down. It's not that we're sinless. It's that we should sin less. So get a hold of that one. So let's look at Luke chapter 15. What we see here in Luke chapter 15 is the whole chapter is actually about sin and repentance. The whole chapter from start to finish. Jesus is being judged by the religious people of his day because he's welcoming sinners and eating with them. I'll tell you what, at this church here, you'll see when our new sign goes up, whenever that's going to happen, some of you may be wondering, what happened to the sign? Well, it's in the process of being renewed. But um, it's got the same uh, thing on it that what we had last time, but just a better sign, a newer sign, new design. But it says where everyone is welcome. And I love it that Jesus was getting in trouble because he, he ate with sinners. He hung around with people that weren't right. And can you imagine how lonely you would be if you only hang around with people who were perfect? <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I, no, I can't come to coffee with you because I'm perfect, you know. <laughs> imagine how lonely your life would be and how few friends you would actually have, you know sitting at home and, you know, no one calling you because you've cut all your friends off because, they, you know, none of them are perfect enough. You know, I like it that here one of our catchphrases is that we love people where they are. 
And that's never going to change. Never going to change. We're always going to stick to that because people need to be loved where they are. People need to feel the love of God right where they are. And then sometimes that's pre-Christ, that's pre-coming to Jesus, that's, you know, uh, we're not just loving Christians, we're going to love people that are not Christians because that's what's going to change their lives is the love of God. Amen? That's what's going to bring transformation. And I like to think we're big on transformation here at Victory Life Broome. Um, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son. And uh, all these parables are about people who belong to God and are saved. This is the picture. They're saved, but they get lost along the way. Very interesting story. And the need to repent. And what we need to see is they all get restored when they repent. A truth may come as a bit of a shock because the first two parables seem to give the impression that the lost sheep and the lost coin were just needing salvation. I just want to point this out. This might, someone who's read this before and knows, the, knows these parables, just stay with me, all right? Because um, what we see is that the lost sheep and the lost coin, um, particularly the, uh, the, uh, the sheep, they were already a part of 100 sheep. They were already in the count. They were already there. And what happened to it? It strayed. As some Christians do, they stray. And they go off from the collective, you know, from being a part of. And look what we'll see here. And it's the same with the coin. The coin was already a part of the purse that had 10 in it. Amen? Already there. And, of course, it got lost. Went out, took the wrong, took the wrong corner, took the wrong track, and got lost along the way. We need to see that because sometimes I think we teach, we, we, we teach it from the angle that they weren't saved but they kind of, you know, were, and the, all the emphasis is on the fact that we've now, you know, we've got to leave the 99 and go after the one. Well, I think that's God's heart that we're seeing there because he, tell you, I tell you what, he loves us where we are. Even the believer, when we mess up, when we have those little fleshy flings, he still loves us. But I believe he wants us to change our heart. I believe he wants us to change our mind. I believe he wants us to repent when we do have a fleshy fling and be like that coin that gets restored, be like that lost sheep that gets restored back in. You see, after we first come to Jesus, repentance continues to be required when we sin, when we miss the mark. And it's the same with the lost coin. Same with the, uh, the 100 sheep. They just needed to be restored, just needed to be returned. Hmm. So let's continue on. Luke 15 of, of uh, uh, the Gospel of, uh, sorry, I should say, chapter 15 of the Gospel of Luke is about sin, it's about repentance, and it's about restoration. And we should see that. And of course, repentance does speak of that moment that we change our direction. I always, I always picture it like I, I head off track and I'm heading in one direction and then I stop and realise I need to repent and it's like a 180 degree turn. Well, I'm not going that way anyway. That way's wrong. So I'm not going to go that way anymore. I'm going to go this way. And I, I don't know about anyone else, but I've had many of those corrections. You know, Sometimes I've been led by the Holy Spirit where the Lord has just got my attention and said, you're going in this direction 
and you now need to stop going in that direction and go this direction. And I love that. Here today, because of those uh, uh, moments where the Lord has changed my direction and I've repented. It speaks of that moment that we change our direction, that time uh, for a much needed change of mind as well. So usually there's some things that we, that some patterns that we need to actually say, that's wrong. I'm not going to do that anymore. Lord, forgive me. I'm not going to do that anymore. Amen. Luke chapter 15 and verse 1, and we're going to go there. We've got 10 minutes. Luke chapter 15 and verse 1 to 2, and it's uh, verses 1 to 2. It says, now all the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to listen to Jesus, and he just loved them where they were. So the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble. And this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So, you know, we see here that, and we've said it, sinners are welcome at VLB. It's even on our sign. But our purpose is to encourage everyone onto the path of the righteous. It's to raise up mature sons and daughters. We talk about that. Mature sons and daughters. God wants to raise up mature sons and daughters, I believe, in every church. Who know what the word says. Who know how to walk the word out. Amen? And we're all called to it. Verse chapter uh, 3 We'll see it there. It says, so he spoke this parable to them saying, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, rejoice with me for I found my sheep, which was lost. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. See, even heaven gets behind it. Even heaven's excited when we actually get back on track in our Christian walk. Amen. For the believer walking with God, repentance is the action required. The moment that we realise that we've done wrong. Repentance is that change of our mind as a result of a heartfelt conviction, maybe a prompt from the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's the change of our direction is, is, is the result. It's also the time that we say sorry and ask the Lord to forgive us. Ask God, say, forgive me for that. Someone who is repenting a lot is someone who's recognising the weakness of their own flesh and is doing something about it. Nothing wrong with repentance. Someone who is repenting a lot is someone who's actually maturing and growing. So uh, you might want to look at your repentance count, you know, because, you know, we want to be maturing. We want to be, you know, growing in the Lord. And uh, we want to position ourselves for advancement. Amen? 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8 9, we'll just uh, throw the, oh, someone saying, I'm not sure if I know how to, uh, you know, ask the Lord to forgive me beautiful verse to remember it's there it says if we say we have no sin we deceive deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness amen so let's have a look at the parable of the 10 coins we'll move on from that and in luke chapter 15 uh, and verse 8 to 10 it says or what man having 10 silver coins if, uh, sorry, what woman, I should say, what, or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. 
And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbours together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And I remember one time um, in 1997 when Rosemary lost a diamond out of her ring and uh, she was in tears because she looked down at her diamond ring and there was one of the diamonds missing. And it was the big one, wasn't it? And I, and, and I remember hearing the story, and some of you ladies have already heard the story, but for those who haven't, I might just share it. And so Rosemary's there, our daughter, who's now 27 this year. She was a toddler, and, uh, and she was just walking around, and Rosemary uh, was crying, and she walked up to Rosemary and said, Mummy, why are you crying? And she said, because I've lost my diamond out of my ring. And she says, okay, I'll find it. So off she toddled. And uh, after a little while, apparently, she came back and she goes, here it is. <laughs> so cute, here it is. And uh, Rosemary thought she was just fooling, a piece of dirt or whatever, a bit of rock. She looked in her fingers and there's this diamond. And she goes, where did you find it? She says, it was on my foot. <laughs> Under my foot. She'd actually walked on it and the, the pointy end had stuck up into a thing and she found this ring. We just said, God is so good, you know, because it was like, I think if I remember rightly, the place was a Berber carpet and you could, you know, lose things so easily in it. But, you know, um, sorry? Oh, you, you had another occasion, didn't you? Where you? Yeah. Rosemary saying she lost another diamond just recently. You reminded the Lord of the... Yeah. And I thought, surely you couldn't do it again. Well, it was gone for two weeks, and I prayed and prayed, and I, I doubted that he would do it again. Mm. And yet there I am, I'm in my car, and in the front seat, on, in the gravel. On the gravel where the floor mat is, you know how to do it. Just spark for my eyes. And I looked out, and the Lord said, Amen. 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 Glory to God. Thank you, uh, Rosemary. We got none of that on the tape. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> so back to the chapter 15 of the Gospel of Luke. Jesus then tells the parable of the prodigal son. And just to highlight, really, God's heart toward his sons and daughters. This is how we need to see his heart toward us. What we need to see is that it's God's heart that doesn't change toward us, even when we struggle in the flesh. Amen? If we endure, it says, uh, we will also reign with him. But get this, and this is a somber note, if we deny him, he will deny us. That's a serious uh, uh, position. Falling away and denying Jesus is different. Denying Jesus is no longer believing in him as Lord and Saviour when you previously did. That's, that's denying him. Amen? That's falling away 
as we, as we read in the scriptures. Um, some people use the term backslidden. Backslidden is not the same thing. Okay? So I just want to look at Hebrews chapter 6. We'll just keep this line just for a minute longer and, and just show you. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 4, it says, For it is impossible for those. Now look at the qualifications to be able to deny him. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, have tasted the heavenly gift, and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away. Look what it says it's impossible to do. It says it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Now, if you're here today and you say that as a believer you lost your salvation through sinful activity, all right, just listen to this, and that you had to repent and your repentance saved you from hell, well, then you have to recognize that this verse is a problem to your belief. Because this verse says it's impossible if you fall away. Hmm. Just think on that. Because if you'd fallen away, how could you repent? Because this verse says it's impossible to repent. So in other words, it's something for someone who's very, very qualified to get to the place to fall away is to deny him. You know, and I've, I know I've got some um, uh, teaching from my Bible college days. It's in a book written that really gave a great testimony of a, someone who'd gotten to a stage in their Christian life and they uh, were quite a mature Christian and uh, got to the point where they, just through the pathway that they took, and get this, this is why we're always saying, you know, be in church, you know, be around the word of God, you know, be around other believers, you know, be around people that are going on for Jesus and advancing as Christians because the pathway away is subtle. It's not, you're now on the road to hell, you know. It's, it, it, it's, there's no big sign, you know. There's no big sign. But we know from scripture that it's possible, you know, to walk away. So, you know, someone say, well, we believe once saved, always saved. I'm sorry, I can't join you on that. Because it's just in verses like this we see very clearly that there is an exception to the rule. But you've got to be really mature as a believer to be able to do that. It takes a mature believer to turn away from God and deny Jesus. It's impossible then to renew them to repentance. No, the interesting thing about the parable of the prodigal son is that the son remains a son even after he goes off and gets on the road to destruction. But he repents. Just like the lost coin and the lost cheap, he gets restored and they remain a part, you know, just as they did, they remained a part of the purse, they remained a part of the flock, the original count. The son remained a part of the family. So I just want to look at, um, uh, just at the time we've, Excuse me for going over a little bit of time here, but Luke chapter 15 and verse 11 to 16, we'll read it together and it says, And a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said, his, uh, said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions on, with prodigal living. Prodigal living just means wasteful just wasted it, you know, just, just blew it. 
prodigal living just um, uh, is, is, is a sad thing when you see it. And verse um, 14 says, But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent them into his fields to feed a swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. So he's starting to come to his senses, starting to realise that he's no longer walking in the blessings of the Lord. And um, in verse uh, uh, 17 to 19, But when he came to himself, he said, you know, that's the point of repentance, isn't it? The point we escape the snare of the devil. You know, the lies and the deception, whatever it is that's had us going away from God. We change our mind and we change direction. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. Verse 18. And I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. Am I, and, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. At least they get a meal, you know. And, you know, just remember, it's his work on the cross that makes us worthy to be his sons and daughters. And we'll see that the father's response always to a repentant heart, you know, confirms this truth. The father remains faithful even when we've been faithless. Luke chapter 15 and, and verse 20 to 24, we'll just read now. Just in closing, and he rose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. You know, if we see anything in the parable of the prodigal son, you know, we've brought a few things out from this chapter today. But if we see anything in the, in the, in the, in the parable of the prodigal son, let's make sure that we see a loving, a loving heavenly father. Let's make sure we all see a loving heavenly father that always has his arms open, ready to receive us. If we ever go off, we need to turn away and make sure we find ourselves in his embrace. Always ready to restore us, always ready to treat us like it never happened. As far as from the east is to the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. And we must see that. You know, he throws our sin into the sea of forgetfulness. And that's a, that's a, a, a very, very um, safe and secure place to find ourselves. Make sure you see that in the, you know, the brother. The father's arms are always open and ready for him to return. But he had to come with a repentant heart. Amen? Amen.